Hi, listeners. Welcome back to another week with another fabulous guest. We are joined today by our former coworker, Dion, who is catching us up on his background. He actually has uh, both a pedigree from uh, college with a CS degree and he attended a boot camp. So we're going to hear all about that, all about his journey into engineering, his relationship right now with imposter syndrome, and also all about his uh, latest gig at a really cool law firm slash tech startup. Yeah, I'm so glad we got to talk to him. Um, He's had a lot of unique experiences as an engineer and just how that has intersected with imposter syndrome for him. He's worked a lot um, on diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts at the companies he's been in. Um, and yeah, it was just like such a great conversation. And I just love how he strives to like make the, the engineering landscape better for those coming after him and doesn't gatekeep and doesn't want to, um, hold up all of these, these roadblocks for people trying to break into the industry. And he like actively even just tells people that they don't need those things. Like he talks about his, his grades in middle school and like how he really had, had no idea he wanted to be an engineer. And I think he's doing such great work, even just on his own individual level to uh, make the industry more accessible. So I'm so glad we got to have him on. Um, happy pride month, everyone. I have my rainbow sweater on today that you can't see, but she um, does. I can vouch for her. Yes, it's it's here. And yeah, it was just, it was such a great convo and I'm excited for everyone to hear it. All right. Well, let's get into it. All right. I'm so happy to introduce Dion. Um, So Dion began his tech journey at Georgia State University in Atlanta, and upon receiving his computer science degree, he moved to the Bay Area to continue his education at an advanced software engineering immersive program, aka a boot camp, basically. You guys have heard of these. Um, And he taught programming fundamentals to students just beginning their own journey. Um, After completing that immersive program, he moved to LA with us to contribute his skills within the mindfulness and legal space, um, most recently with us at Headspace, and now he's on to something new. So we're really excited to get into that with him. But welcome, Dion. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Also, happy Pride. Happy Pride. pride. Look at my sweater. I didn't even plan it. I love it. I didn't plan it, but I, yeah. I feel welcome. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dion, like, since you don't work on Headspace anymore, I never see you and and we can't like slack about um, Vanderpump rules, which isn't on anymore. So um, I'm, I'm anxiously waiting that next season, but um, I'm really excited to be able to catch up today, just hear what you're up to. But before that, um, we kind of mentioned your bio, obviously, but do you want to tell us like how you, you kind of have a, a little bit of a similar story to Monica and I, but a little bit different, obviously, because you have the CS background. Um, but yeah, just tell us how you got into engineering and and a little bit about your story leading up to now. Okay. Well, it was, it all started when I was born. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, take us there, take us there, paint a picture. Time of what, 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 what's your, uh, what's your birth chart? Oh, should we look uh, oh. it up right now? This whole episode could oh, just be. Oh, I'm sure he knows it. Dion. 
Oh, he no, I know it. it. He knows know it. it. Oh, my God. He's ready. Can you give us the highlights? <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember the exact time I had to ask my mom. I know it's like three around three o'clock. Um, but or PM. Yeah. PM. So I am a cancer. I forget which one that one's called. Is it like your moon or is that your sun? That's your, your birthday. Your, your like birthday is your, like your zodiac sign is your sun. Okay. Yeah. 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 So cancer, um, Libra, um, and then Scorpio is my rising. Okay. So Libra moon. Okay. Yes. Great. 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 Anyone that knows what those things mean, let us know. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll have you on the podcast. <laughs> Not only is it private, Mercury is also in retrograde. So, like, there's that. Oh my god, that's oh why I. That's why I was up for two hours in the middle, and I thank you. And while I and why I have allergies for the first time in my life, and I've never had them before, and I'm like seizing up a storm. It explains <laughs> everything. And why my monitor didn't turn on this morning. Spent so long like unplugging it, plugging it back in, restarting my computer. Mm. Wait, your alarm? Okay. No, my uh, my monitor. Maybe it's why my dishwasher is taking two hours right now too. You know what? It could be. Uh, it could it's, be it's that usually too. like electronics related. Wait, did you say your what's your rising? My rising is a Scorpio. Oh, okay. I thought no, we're not the same. Mine is a <laughs> mine is a Capricorn for everyone asking. And I'm a and I'm a Leo, so wow. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um yeah. Okay, so it started uh, when you were born. <laughs> what yeah, happened okay. after that? <laughs> um, then I existed. Uh, no. Um, yeah, I guess like my computer science journey, I kind of jump around with it because I feel like, I mean, again, all like all of us here is it's unconventional, right? Um, for me growing up, I never really understood like what an engineer was. I just knew it was something that you had to be like insanely smart to do. And I was like, well, not that. So <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I mean, from a very young age, like, you know, my grandpa had a computer and like he would have his computer games or whatever. Um, and I guess I kind of started my infatuation with just computers in general, like as a concept, I guess. And from there, it really started like my fifth grade year, I was accepted into this program in Tallahassee, Florida called um, Project Child, which I'm uh-huh. eight- yeah, I know. It sounds horrible, right? I am an Android. I'm just letting you know. It sounds uh, scary. It does. It sounded cool at the time. I was like talking to my friends. I was like, are y'all going to be a project child next year? <laughs> also, what a nerd. Um, so, yeah, I basically project child was um, aging myself is basically it was like the like the first time they were going to have children with computers as like their main function of learning in the classroom, right? Um, It was sold a little bit differently than it actually was. Like in my mind, I thought I was going to have my own computer at my own desk, but really it was just like the computers were in the room and like we would have like an hour or two where we would just get on the computer and surf like what the internet was at that point. Um, But I thought it was really cool. Um, And from there, I think that like through middle school and high school, um, computers were just an outlet for me, like, or just being on the computer, like engineering, you know, building out my little, uh, my little fan sites, I'll call them that just cause I don't want to be like, I've already nerded myself out a little too much already, but 
I would create like fan websites, um, took some computer courses in high school. Basically for me, engineering was just an outlet of expression, right? Um, I was predominantly more of a artistic child where I would love to sketch and things. And then I was like, I was like, holy shit, I can do this on my computer. And then at one point, like, y'all remember Macromedia Flash? Yes, but I don't, I didn't do anything with it. What could you do with that? Was that something like you had to install? Yeah, like it was like, uh, like to run Flash programs, all the cool programs you had to install Flash. Yeah, that was like the early days of like, uh, like just Flash. Like, what was the the the, the salad fingers guy who liked spoons? He used to rub the spoons. Yeah, rusty spoons. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so basically that whole cartoon was made off of like, uh, was made on like Flash. So I would make little cartoons on on like I had Macromedia Flash and I would just make cartoons and I would show it to like my family and stuff. And they'd be like, oh my God, that's insane. Um, that is, yeah, insane. that's like really impressive. Dang. <laughs> I used to do so much. I used to like, I would touch everything. I would like be building sites. I would be like, you know, editing videos. I would, you know, create cartoons. I would just cr- like make, like to me again, it was just, like uh, a computer in itself and it was just a medium for me to express myself artistically. Um, again, I never made any kind of correlation between that and engineering because really it wasn't entirely there. Like it was mostly like me building out websites and then like figuring out like JavaScript and all that other kind of stuff. And then that eventually evolved into MySpace. Anyway, um, I sucked at school. I need to say that out loud a lot. Um, I was not good at math. I was not good at like just school in general. Um, I did not make great grades, but I mean, it wasn't fine with me, but it, it was what it was. Right. But then I went off to college and for some reason I just started doing fantastic in school. I guess like applying yourself is a thing. Uh, <laughs> so I started doing fantastic in school and then like it was kind of time for me to declare. And I was like, you know, I think I, I was like, I think I can really do like be a computer scientist. I think I could really be an engineer because by that time I'd figured it out, like what that was. And I was like, I was no longer scared of, you know, all of the math and stuff. I was like, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to contribute myself. So yeah, I uh, definitely took some classes and I was humbled. I'm going to say that <laughs> I was humbled, but you know, I, I pressed on and um, yeah, I ended up getting my degree in computer science. Uh, during the time of me being in college, I had to um, basically serve. I was working in the restaurant industry. I was doing that for a, cu- a good couple of years. And I don't know, I just remember discussions with my mom about experience and how it's important to have experience to do things. And I also felt like I just did, you know, I had been out of the corporate world for so long that I like, you know, me making a craft cocktail is not really going to translate to like me working at Google or whatever. Right. I mean, maybe now, I don't know. I think they probably have like craft cocktail classes or something. Um, (laughs) You'd be surprised. Yeah. Maybe that would really impress someone. Yeah. Right. They're like, Oh, "Oh, he's an engineer and a bartender. Damn. Also, also a sommelier. Somalia, ha ha ha. Um, you said it better. <laughs> <laughs> the 
the amount of people that have told me they're sommeliers, that's why it's in, ingrained in my brain. I'm so it's, I'm not impressed by it anymore, but you're, I'm impressed by you, but whenever people throw it at me, I'm like, cool. And they're usually horrible. So. Well, I'm going to exit the chat now. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. So uh, where was I with that? Um, so basically that's where the boot camp came up. Right. I was like, okay, I've got like, you know, I know I've got this degree. Um, I'm at a fork in the road where it's like, I can continue in the service industry, which is like, it was fun. It just wasn't for me in the long term. Um, highly respect that industry, highly, highly respect that industry. And I was just like, all right, well, how can I get the experience necessary so that I can actually like be doing the thing? And bootcamp came up and I was like, all right, I studied for it. And even, even with a degree, I like didn't even pass the test the first time to get into, um, I'm going to call it hack reactor, but technically where I went was like a sister school to hack reactor. Was it, were you Uh, in the same one? Hmm. Did you do and Monica do the same one? I think Dan, you did Telegraph, right? Yeah, I did Telegraph. Oh, yeah, and I did Maker Square, but Hack Reactor acquired both of oh, them, I think, it. at the same time. Uh, yeah, the timelines are kind of weird on that one. Hack Reactor, so Telegraph actually split off of Hack Reactor, right? Like, so Telegraph didn't exist by itself. It was actually founded from mm-hmm. by two uh, people who were part of hack reactor and then they went off. Oh, that I didn't know actually. So it was one of those situations where it's like the exact same curriculum and super hard to get into, but, um, obviously because I failed the first time, but (laughs) never give up kids. Um, (laughs) I ended up, I picked all my shit up and I moved to the Bay area. Like I didn't resign my lease, put all my stuff in storage. And I was like, I put all bets on myself to like make this thing happen. Um, and it was not easy, but you know, I feel like, did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. My question was just like, how did you get here? So yeah, yeah. You're, we're, so, yeah. we're on our way. So you, okay, yeah. <laughs> I am not concise. Um, so yeah, I got, I got to the Bay area, um, went through the program, super difficult, as you all know, it's like play around with that one. And then I was asked to become a fellow there. So that's where I started teaching um, people who had no understanding whatsoever of like JavaScript or even coding whatsoever, just didn't know like the first thing about it, but were interested in it, which is was a really important time for me because it kind of solidified who I wanted to be as an engineer and not just be like an engineer that's just like, oh, I'm going to like build out like, I don't know. What's a thing that people are obsessed with right now? I don't know. I was basically, I decided that I wanted to be an, enge- an engineer with purpose as far as like, you know, helping people and really uh, getting like kind of breaking the stigma of engineering, right? Even in Telegraph Academy, like that was mostly underrepresented groups, right? So we would have a lot of conversations about like what the tech industry looks like and how um, how it skews racially and like by gender. And, you know, we would have those, discuss- those discussions and it would always come down to, it's like, listen, we're gonna go into this industry and it's not gonna be easy, you know? It's not gonna be something where we're gonna feel, um, accepted immediately but it's not really about that right like it's not for us to feel accepted it's for us to make the impact so that those coming behind us can feel accepted so 
that whole experience kind of like formed me, like kind of really like got the rough edges off. And um, yeah, then Headspace came a call in and I was like, all right, well, that's, uh, that's actually, no, that's a really important part also. Cause I was like, you know, looking for a job and I would go to, I'm not going to name any specific banks, but like I would go to a bank that was looking for an engineer. And I was like, ah. even in the interview, I was like, ah, I really need a job. I really want to make the money, but it's just like, I was just like, I'm not, this isn't doing it for me. It's not fulfilling me. So um, when I flew down to LA to do the interview and walked into headspace, it was just like, like, it just, I just knew, right. Like it was like, there was no doubt in my mind. So yay headspace. <laughs> yay. I'm wondering, that's so awesome that you had, you got to have or get a head start on those conversations at Telegraph and also learn in an environment with other people who are not as well represented in the tech industry. Do you feel like having some of those difficult conversations up front helped you, maybe not helped you like not have imposter syndrome when you actually got, you know, that first job and you were working as an engineer, but did it help you maybe feel like more aware, like recognize it earlier mm. on? Are you asking like in terms of just imp imposter syndrome in general, like, you know, me being there, I was like that this isn't going to be a part of the imposter syndrome. Is that what you mean? Yes. Okay. No, <laughs> no, me That's and fair. me and imposter were like this and I know every aspect of it. Yeah. We're, we're the best, we're best friends. I'm kicking his ass though. Um, but nice. yeah, yeah, like I mean, I, it, it prepared me to recognize things that I knew were outside of, like m outside of my engineering capabilities, right? Like as far as like how I show up in a room and like those kind of things, right? That wasn't so. Maybe yes, actually. So like that wasn't so much of my imposter syndrome because I knew what I came to do, right? If anything, that just made me mad, right? Like, you're just like, listen to me, hear me. I am here. Like, I exist here. I'm not here for no reason. Let's do this thing. Yeah, a good part of my imposter syndrome is just actually, I feel like a large part of just my story, right? Like how I got here, knowing, you know, you don't leave those pieces of you behind, like the Dion in middle school who, or like high school, who wasn't making like the best grades in the world versus the Dion in college that was making like the best grades in the world, you know, like those pieces are still there. So they actively contribute to how I show up today, which therapy, but you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Imposter syndrome is just a thing that everybody deals with. Um, and I don't, I, I I've, come to the conclusion that it won't ever go away, but I can manage it better now. I think it's, it's interesting that like the two are not tied together for you. I think for like, as, as women, I think Monica and I, anything that, anything that happens, we're like, is that because I'm a woman and does that, and now that does that make me a worse engineer? Like, I feel like I don't, I'm not able to separate the two. I'd be like, oh, like you, you actually think that I'm not as good because I'm a woman. Um, not because of like, oh, I went to a boot camp or whatever, but like I'm I just so quickly will will tie those together. 
And especially, I mean, recently I've just been getting the most annoying like LinkedIn comments ever about like how everything's my fault. And um, <laughs> I'm just trying, yeah, I'm trying, to provoke, trying to provoke conversation and like, you know, I, I, you definitely, and you are doing that a hundred percent. So you just, you just like said something about how, like, you know, if you're, you're like, see me, I'm here for a reason. Like, don't like, I'm like, pay attention to me, listen to me, like hear my ideas. And there was like this very specific story about like, I was not looked at in the eye during an interview at Headspace. Like this guy interviewed, didn't look at me one time. And we decided oh, wow. not, we decided not to hire him. And, uh, cause I said, he didn't look at me once. I felt uncomfortable. It was pretty, pretty rude. Um, right. and anyway, I, I interviewed him last week on the podcast, but, um, I, really? I posted about it. Yeah. He like found us and it was actually super amicable. It was good. And I posted about our interaction being like, he, this was so, um, like we had, we had a great conversation. Like he didn't tell me I was wrong or my feelings were invalid. He like just totally apologized. Wasn't giving excuses. Um, and people just are coming on being like, it's not his job to make you feel comfortable in the interview. It's your job to make him feel comfortable. And I'm just like, That's... I literally hate everyone. <laughs> like, just... And it's also like, it's not, not his job. Like, yeah, sure. It's not his job, but his job is to make me want to hire him. And like, yeah, <laughs> part of right. the job. Yeah, like you should be comfortable with this person because you're actively going to be working, potentially working with this person for however long. So it's like if you're uncomfortable for like the like 45 minutes to an hour in an interview, why would you even remotely consider this person for a full time role? I, I want to get your thoughts on this because I'm sure this has come up for you. But um, someone else commented something about how I should give him grace because sometimes in stressful situations like interviews, if we come, if someone comes across someone that they have personal biases against, like subconscious biases against, they'll come out in the interview. So I should give them grace because it's, it's just, they're coming out because it's a stressful interview environment. I'm like, okay, well, that's a, that's a perfect indication that I shouldn't hire that person. Right, I don't understand the, I don't understand the argument. Because... Saying, everyone is saying like interview stressful. That's not how he really is. Once he gets hired, he'll treat you exactly the same. I'm like, I have no way of knowing that dude. So no, no. uh-uh. That's no. you showing your true colors. Like you are showing Absolutely. your true colors and I will take those colors and say that's, those colors are not blending with mine and we will have to not not move forward. Highly yeah. agree. I mean, cause the reality of the situation is like, okay, while being in an interview is a different kind of stress, you will absolutely be in stressful situations with like this person potentially with something that you're working on, whether it's a deadline or this, that, and the other. And that's, if that's his true colors, like what that's part of the interview. I don't yeah, know. Like, yeah. We're working on a hard problem and like, he can't look at me or like, doesn't want to pair with me on it, you know? Right. And then that, yeah. And then that spins you off into another area of like, you know, thinking that even if it's not true, it's just not conducive to getting work done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know 100%. Why. Please come into my uh, LinkedIn comments and say whatever you have to. I don't check my LinkedIn. So please leave them in shambles. Thank you. <laughs> I don't think someone can leave a LinkedIn comment. It's not a Facebook wall, Dion. They can't just leave you a LinkedIn <laughs> comment if you don't post anything. <laughs> that, that is how often I use LinkedIn. 
It's not MySpace. Is that what you're saying? It's not MySpace. It's MySpace. Yeah. It's it's MySpace for jobs. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so that's so funny. I used to be I used to be like you. I'm I used to literally like I would delete all the incoming like LinkedIn emails as soon as I saw them hit my email and like never open it. But now we're like on this case to try and get a viral LinkedIn post. I really like Taylor's trying to do it and I'm like riding on her coattails. Um, so it's like super, super glued into the LinkedIn drama. Yeah. I mean, and it's a good tool. Like, honestly, like I've gotten a lot of, and it's a useful tool. <laughs> I've gotten a lot of outreach from people wanting to talk to me about jobs because of what I've been posting. Mm-hmm. And, and even people just saying like, thank you so much for what you're posting. Like, I love, you know, whatever men and women. Um, and it's just been like, it's just been cool. Like it's, it's a cool way. Cause it's, it's kind of the best way, whatever we talk about this every episode. I'm sorry, everyone, but like, it's just the best way to like connect with the audience that we're hoping to reach. Right. Like my Instagram friends aren't really my audience for this. <laughs> so, right, right, right. um, I need to work on like building that out, but anyway, I don't know how we got back onto my LinkedIn posts, but I have to complain about them at least once an episode. Um, but maybe we're going to become like the official podcast of LinkedIn. Like this will just become a LinkedIn podcast. Please do. I'm open would, to it. Definitely. I would use it. Now I want to use it just because I want to be in on the on the drams, man. Mm-hmm. You got to go listen to our episode last week or two weeks ago where we um did a dramatic reading of yeah the trolliest weirdos um awesome. and they were just so gross. I mean, it's just so it like it really and then we can get back to talking about you. <laughs> it's just I like, mean, that's what I'm wondering. Like, when are we getting back to me? Yeah. <laughs> This will segue back to you, but it's like uh-huh. the reason we're having these conversations is like in this echo chamber right here. We're like, yeah, of course, and we're we're agreeing and like we're talking about imposter syndrome. But outside of these, outside of this Zoom, there are so many people that just do not agree, don't understand, don't see it, don't even know imposter, have no empathy for imposter syndrome, have no like no awareness of it. I guess have never experienced it or are lying. I, I don't know, and and so like trying to reach those types of people is super important, but it's just so, it's so frustrating, like arguing with brick walls where you're just like, you're wrong. And I don't know how to like convince you otherwise. Yeah. That's a perfect segue. Cause I actually want to touch back on something that I said and like in reference to how you show up in, you know, when you're at work is like, did this happen to me because I'm a woman or like do that, like not think I'm a great, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. Basically, like I said, for me, it's, it is, it's not that I don't think that I think that I don't, I don't, um, I don't deal with it the same. Right. So again, like I get angry about it, but not like, I mean, angry black man, whatever, fine. Uh, but like, I get, I get angry about it. And for me, it's more like, I know who you are. I know yeah it's just like i see that person and i see like it's easy for me to recognize it's like oh is this like black gay whatever like unicorn i don't know like (laughs) i've got so many things for you to hate me for so like you know or like have a bias against me for so it's just like it's easier for me to recognize but it's also um it drives me right like that's why i did like why i was doing the diversity equity and inclusion work at headspace because before that existed there was a reason for it to exist right and again those conversations that i had at tga were like hey this is not gonna be easy 
you might be the only like I mean, I was the only black engineer for at Headspace for a very long time. And I think even by the time I left, the most that were there while I, like while I was there was maybe three, maybe four. And so, for context, that's out of what, like 70 people, I think. ish. Right. right. So it was like, for me, I was like, okay, well, I am going to change the way that this looks because, um, yeah, this is going to eat me alive. And there are other things that definitely did happen that kind of did, but it's, it has to, that it has to drive me because I have to make it better for like the next eon. That's why whenever I talk about my story, I make sure that I emphasize that I wasn't making the best grades in school. Um, I emphasize that like, you know, I came at engineering from a different, from a different lens. I used it as a tool to make something else. Right. Which essentially is what it is. But like, you know, I just make sure that like I, if somebody is listening who is interested, but feels like they just don't fit into like the quote unquote mold of what an engineer is that I am as loud as possible and am like jumping up and waving my hands and like, please come with me, you know, Mm -hmm. like, there is room here for everybody and specifically i would like i would love to weed out the people that don't have empathy for imposter syndrome because the reality is is like imposter syndrome isn't just engineering it's everywhere totally and i yeah almost like i almost side eye people who don't have imposter syndrome because i'm like how you I don't know, believe, don't I don't believe the them they've they've compartmentalized it and they don't want to they don't want to like admit to it yeah, that's why like my imposter syndrome is my homeboy. Like we are gonna sit here together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we're gonna oh, sit here. is like a boy. <laughs> yeah. He's like my yeah. Personify. <laughs> yeah. He's just gonna sit Mine here. Mine is just a dark gonna, cloud. <laughs> right. He's just gonna whisper. Like Charlie Brown ear, cloud. Yeah. Like be whispering in my ear while I'm coding. And then like <laughs> I'll just look at him and be like, okay, yeah, I don't understand this, but like that's what Google's for. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, totally. Um, take them and take that imposter syndrome and use it to get to like whatever level it is that you want to be at and to fix the things that you want to fix. Yeah. And and I love what you said about like making things better for the next Dion. Like I, I think that's, that is also my goal, but I lose sight of it a lot. Like, and I'm just thinking about myself, um, and how things are for me. And it's so, it, it helps to just think about like, there's a bigger picture here. It's not like all about me. It's not going to change overnight. Um, and just what you said about like the getting rid of all the gatekeeping, like having to be good at math or science, having to like crush your like middle school classes, who cares? Like, you know, just, just having, having different paths and like how those are valuable. I was actually talking to someone at Apple yesterday and they were like, I was like talking about my background and they were like, I was like, I don't have a CS degree. You know, you always have to like, like sugarcoat that. Cause you never know how it'll be like, um, you know, received. And he was like, actually, like, that's so cool. You don't have a CS degree, like on this team, like barely anyone has a CS degree. And this is Apple. And he's like, we have, we have amazing poli sci backgrounds, art backgrounds. And I was just like, dang, that's, that's such a good, good sign to hear. Um, Mm. Cause if they like kind of, kind of question you about it or give you any kind of flack about it, you're like, whatever, bye. Like you're, you're paying attention to the wrong things. They pull something Taylor like that a initial recruiter who reached out to you and was like, Hey, here's a job, by the way, are you actually qualified for this? <laughs> by the way, are you really an engineer? 
Uh, yeah. Can you read? Like, yeah. Huh? I do the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that, uh, so when I was looking for jobs, like the first time around, even though this might sound weird for somebody who was like, just trying to break in, but like, if I saw any kind of job posting that required a CS degree, even though I had one, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, Oh wow. I wouldn't apply there. And I, I'm pretty sure that even at Headspace, like there was a conversation. I always make sure that whenever job postings go out, like I'm like, are we, do we have any craziness about, you know, degrees and stuff on there? Shout out to everybody who got a degree, right? Like I got a degree. I know plenty of people. I know people who got PhDs and stuff. Yeah. Shout out for all that hard work. And I'm not trying to take away from it, but like, again, there's just so much talent out there. There's so many different ways of thinking. Yeah. Right. And the more that you like don't tap into those people because of something like a like a degree, are we really moving forward in any kind of way? Like somebody could have like the next best thing. I don't know. Like they'll figure out where the aliens are. I, I say that because I want to know where they are. Um I do too. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're here. We're in that they walk among us. We're in that search together. I, I am one. What was right. that program you were in? Project Child. <laughs> Project Child. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I don't know. I told on myself. Um, Yeah, no, I just, again, I just, just like, there's just so many different ways of thinking. And like, is there an argument to be said about like a certain kind of engineer, like the real nitty gritty engineer? I think that, yeah, like there is a level of like computer science and like, just like the way your brain works for that. But like, not everybody wants to do that. Not everybody wants to jump like straight into like AI or any other, like, you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I don't like the gatekeeping with the degrees. It's also access too. Not everyone has access to go to college or maybe access to see or learn what an engineer is before they go to college like and have no idea they want to study that, um, even if they do go to college. And it's just just that other level of like, it's almost like you have to come into college with like the 10 years of experience as a child tinkering before you to be right. successful in those classes. Otherwise, they're super hard, like you said. Um yeah. So to be fair, it was the it was the calculus and stuff like the, the higher level maths for me, but it's fine. <laughs> that are super hard. Oh yeah. yeah, I suck at that. Um, I, I, I suck so bad at like algebra that I never even made it to calculus. So really, yeah, I I stopped. I I did like stats instead, so I could avoid all of the like trig calculus that whole. And somehow I still tricked these people into giving me a job. I know. Crazy. It's crazy how you haven't like had to do any calculus on the job. It's wild. I thought it was about calculus and I was like, well, I'm just going to get fired the first week. (laughs) Calculus. Oh my God. Like just nightmares about high school calculus. We had to like, we, we had the opportunity to retake every test for some reason. And so I would just not study and fail every single test and then have to retake it. So I had to take every test twice or maybe three times. I think they let us keep retaking them. And I still never, would you just like know all the answers? No, like seems like a brilliant plan. They kind of changed them up. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Anyway. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I, I, that's so, that's so interesting that you, that you, uh, discounted places that required a CS degree, even though you had one, that's good for all of us that I feel like you were sticking up for all of us that didn't have that. It doesn't have to be like the biggest thing in the world. It's always just like something small, like you know, if you just don't want it, if you don't, if you don't fuck around with those degrees, like then don't contribute to a place that does, you know? Yeah. 
can we talk about maybe your experience, um, like not as detailed as you feel comfortable, but your experience uh, kind of involved in DE&I uh, efforts? Like, I feel like it's a hard, it sucks when the burden falls on the people who are <laughs> experiencing the issues. Like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to describe this. You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah. it, it sucks that it's the burden is on you to like educate and call people out. And like, and it's the people mostly involved in DE and I are people that are minorities and like are experiencing these like microaggressions in the workplace. And so it's so, but, and then it's a small group. And it's like that much harder to, and it's not probably usually usually given that many resources and then trying to disseminate that message to the wider company that has chosen not to be a part of that group like that. I'm just wondering your thoughts. If you, if you feel comfortable talking about it. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the work. I enjoyed doing like putting together the things that we put together. I enjoyed like having the conversations with, um, uh, having the conversations with, you know, the other members of the DEI committee and the brainstorming of ways of like how we can show up and how we can affect change um, within like the larger organization, right? Um, this is where I'm going to shout out my girl, Lauren Wampa. And if she hasn't been, like, definitely get her for um, Yeah, we need to have her on for sure. Um, she is amazing, just an all around, like, the best human being I know. But um, so, yeah, like, I, I mean, as far as like the DEI started, like that started at Headspace. Um, she was one of the founding members myself. Uh, there, there's a, a couple of us, right? And it was basically like we sat in a room and we were like, "What are the things that we want to change? What are like the like what's the low hanging fruit? How can we make it so that like we're actually bringing in diverse talent, right?" And the great thing about it is, is that it's always people from different different areas of the or of like of the company so like we can touch multiple parts you know we, we reached out to different like nonprofits and stuff and created relationships with like out in tech uh the trevor project oh now i'm gonna forget nine dots obviously <laughs> um we're gonna talk about nine dots that was the great thing to have to like be able to like let these people come into like headspace because you know as that at that point like headspace had become a name right so basically my my dei efforts were great i think as heads or like as headspace started to grow things became a little bit more difficult um and it became it, it got to a point where i was obviously tired i think that like a lot of the people that came in at the very beginning towards at least were before i left were starting to just really get tired because it's like you want to make impact but it's kind of hard to um to then like pin it down right there's just like so many moving pieces so i did start to get tired and there was a moment of like hey we are at the size now where it's time for us to really put our money where our mouth is and like the thing about committees is that it's people that aren't with the exception of lauren wampa people who aren't um, educated in that space, right? Like, again, me being a black gay man, I am, I can show up with my experiences and know what I don't want to see, right? And, you know, everybody else can show up in those ways being underrepresented. But at the end of the day, we don't have, like, there's an actual structure and system of learning that goes into, like, making real impact. So there came one point where it was just like, okay, 
we're too big now to be this committee of like do-gooders like you know who want to make this impact and it's time for us to really start like bringing in the big guns that can really like talk to like the higher ups and can really say this is what we're not going to do anymore and then like you know the committee can meet with that person but um yeah we can't do it the way that we were doing it before um so i would say from the beginning of it from like our first black history month uh that we put on uh that lauren and i put on um to um hiring the director of d and i at headspace um before i left i think that it was quite a journey and i learned so much and saw so much like uh, just just greatness in people that the people that i worked with um yeah it's not an easy job but yeah cornell for president like seriously love cornell oh my yes, god that was like one of the easiest decisions ever when oh. i with cornell he's amazing i wonder yeah. if he listens if he does hi <laughs> hi Come cornell you're, you're next you're, you're going to be tapped next to be on the podcast <laughs> um but yeah uh yeah i think that like uh again that all again that just all stemmed from how i was gonna sh- like how i was gonna show up at the uh, whatever company i work for is that i want to make sure that like anybody who comes in after me if like i was uncomfortable not like i was not the most secure walking through when i first started like first started at headspace um but i wanted to make sure that <clears throat> If the next person that comes in isn't secure, it's not because they are, you know, a black trans woman, right? Like that's that's not what they're thinking about. It's because, oh my God, it's a new job, you know. So totally. I love that. I feel like um I feel like you were you were mentioning some stuff about like hi, like a, a lot of the change comes from hiring and like just really and and I feel like since all these conversations have been happening, like since the George Floyd, like, uh, protests and marches last year, like companies are kind of putting on this big face of like, we're hiring diverse talent now. It's like, Oh, oops, we forgot to before. And I was talking about, (laughs) forgot to before. (laughs) Oh my God. How do we, uh, how do we slip on that? My bad. Someone just told me about this. I didn't Um, even notice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm outraged, <laughs> but yeah. like I'll still talk to recruiters and you know that they're like the best. They have like really good intent. They haven't good intentions, but they'll be like, they'll talk, be talking to me as a woman. They'll be like, yeah, you know, I'm specifically, I'm specifically focusing on getting more women or like uh, talking to more women. And, you know, we, we really want to hire more w- women engineers, but it's just so hard to find good ones. It's not. It's not. It's and not. I'm like, if it's so hard to find good ones, like either your interview process is wrong or like you're not talking to enough of them. And, and I think obviously so much about the interview process is wrong and it will skew to a certain type of person that has been the major, like has been the most largely represented group in tech white men, um, because they're the ones that created those interviews. But, um, but yeah, it's like, if you're having so much trouble, like think of, you need to rethink it. Like, don't just keep doing the same thing and expect different results and then say, and then just come to the conclusion that, oh, it's just, there aren't that many good ones out there. It's like, it's so infuriating, infuriating. There we go. (laughs) I can't say that word. And now I'm not going to even try it. 
Um, yeah, I think in that situation, it's like, hey, maybe the, maybe the problem isn't everybody else, but maybe the problem is just you. Yeah. It's yeah. just you. It's so true. I mean, I, and I recognize like that can definitely be like a wake up call and a, and a tough pill to swallow, but like how many months or years are you going to wait and just, you know, keep telling yourself like, Oh, wow. I guess the, yes, the talent just isn't out there. I want to lead into another question that we had for you, which was about your interview process more like this time around and how that was different from your initial interview process right out of Telegraph? Oh, um, it's definitely different. Um, to some degree, it was scarier, you know? Because it's like, I think that's a part of the imposter syndrome, right? It's like, oh, the first yeah. time I got hired at a company, it was a fluke. Now I have to go find yeah. it. Yeah, oh my gosh, totally. And like prove that like I'm not like this one hit wonder, you know? Um, yeah. Well, you're more senior now too, you know? Like you're going for, we both started as interns at Headspace. Right. So it looks a little different when you're going out for more senior roles for sure. Yeah, it's like also, <clears throat> it's like being at Headspace, like you're doing a lot of great things there, like technically, but then it's also like, you know, when you're growing, you don't notice that you're growing, Right. Like I, if you ask me, I'm like the same height as I've always been, but obviously I, that's not the case or else my mom is a hero. I think that that was part of it. It's like, okay, I'm going out for these senior roles, but then it's like, do it. Have I really done all of these things? And like job descriptions always had like the kitchen sink in there, like things that like, they never even, they, they probably touched like years ago, but probably don't even maintain anymore. Right. Um, so I'm like, Oh snap. I don't know this or that. Um, I will say that this time around, I did a lot better. Um, I was actually, um, like turning not essentially it was turning down places in a way that I was like, I was interviewing and then moving along. But again, for me, it's like, I want to make sure that I am contributing to a place that I feel like is making an impact in some way. Right. Um, so yeah, my interview, like interviewing was a lot better this time. Um, I definitely did do like the cramming, like the cramming before like the technical interviews and stuff. But that's uh, just a yeah. rite of passage. That's like, how else do you get around that? What do you like, like all, just all day study, like an hour, wake up, do a leak code problem, take a shower. Like that's not how people live their lives. I don't know. Maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, like, and then again, that's like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, they're, I don't know. I don't even want to say that. I was going to say maybe there should be tears to engineers, but like, no. Um, good for you if you do do that. I am not discouraging that. Like, wake up and do your lead code. Um, I have not done that. Some people just like love that shit. Like, some people think that that's what being an engineer is. And they just like solving problems, I guess. Um, yeah. Like, engineering to me, to a certain degree, is like a drug that you get addicted to. Like, you just always want that feeling of accomplishment. Yeah. And, like, constantly so trying to like get there. So true. It feels so good. It feels so good. Um, but I will say that with Atticus, it was a different um Atticus is where I currently work. Um, they are a a lot a startup law firm hybrid. Um, and I will say that before I even joined with them, I was like, you know, talking to recruiters, I was like, listen, I don't want to work at a small startup. Like, mm-hmm. I want like a medium-sized startup. Like something like what Headspace was when I first got there, uh, as far as like size is concerned, right? Um, 
But yeah, I talked to the CEO, Sam Biker. I talked to the team and it like that feeling that I described earlier when I walked into Headspace was the same feeling that I got when I talked to the team that was at Atticus. Like these, like these people legitimately want to, and I'm going to say this, even though I hate saying this because it's so cliche, like disrupt like the legal sphere, right? Like how, like how legal representation currently works, right? I mean, they're starting in one area, like we started with social security disability, moved into personal injury a little bit, but you know, from what they want to do ultimately past like this, like kind of MVP stage is just, you know, it really could affect people's lives in a, in a very positive way. Right. Cause again, I was like, if I needed a lawyer, I wouldn't know where the hell to go. Like, I'd just be like, does anybody know a lawyer? And like, how do I know that that's a good lawyer? You know what I'm saying? No clue. We're like Atticus, like we have a lawyer network where we actually vet our lawyers and make sure that like, they are like, the best of the best and that they are all across the country um yeah i i, I love my company uh or like oh, cool. i love so like, company. is it like, um <laughs> is it like uh postmates for lawyers uh no you get a lawyer delivered to you <laughs> <laughs> yes that is exactly what's going on can you bring can you pay extra they'll bring like a little dessert too like oh, like I mean, it <laughs> comes complimentary. That's a, that's a, I'm gonna, there's a feature request for you, Dion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get right on that. <laughs> um, yeah, so everybody go to atticus.com. And if you have social security disability claim or personal injury, do it. Um, no, but seriously, like everybody that works there is amazing. Um, like, there's already like very good diversity there. Like, and we're very, we're very small, but. Um, we're definitely getting bigger even since like I've started there and yeah, no, I love it. I love like everything about it. Um, why did I say that? Oh yeah. So the inner, like the interview process at Atticus was basically like, uh, a series of conversations, right. As opposed to like, I did have to do like a take home coding project, which was, pretty straightforward. I don't wouldn't say it was like the hardest thing in the world, but also I feel like that's relative. Um, but other than that, it was mostly just conversations, which I think is much a much better way to go about hiring than like this whiteboarding exercises or like, let me like stare at the screen while you code and like hit delete like a million times because you're so nervous. You can't like name the variable correctly, you know? Um, so yeah, I really love that. Like the Sam Biker, their CEO asked me like a, a problem, like a real world problem that they were having. And like, he has no real engineering experience, but he was just like, it was just like a problem solving question. He was like, but I'm going to ask you how you would go about this. And he was like, yours was, believe it or not, like the most concise and straightforward out of everybody that we've talked to. Like everybody, like, Again, over-engineering, or for the first time, over-engineering is a thing. Please stop doing it. Oh. Everything doesn't have to be, like, this big symphony of code. Like, you're just doing too much for something that's so very simple. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was a tangent. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of, like, my experience at Atticus. And I actually remember, like, the first time I talked 
to them, like one of the first phone calls, I was like, yeah, like if I come in there, like the, one of the first things we're going to figure out is like, what is our interview process going to look like for engineers? Because we're not going to have you, I have people whiteboarding and, you know, doing two, three take-home projects. Why so much? Like, yeah. why does it need to be literally like five, six hours of technical interviews? Right. People that have like communication skills, show empathy, like just care about the mission, grit, like not giving up, just like, like, like thirst for learning, curiosity. Like those are the kind of qualities that you care about. Not like someone who's holed up studying in their, uh, in their apartment for weeks, cramming for your interview problem, (laughs) whether they get it right. It's a huge turnoff. Like if I'm not going to apply to you because you are requiring a degree, then I'm definitely not going to apply to you. If you like, uh, like apply for a job, if it's like, I need to, you know, study and like eat once a day for like two months in order to like make it halfway through the process. Yeah. Only Soylent. Ew. Only Soylent. Right. Yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head of just like, you can really suss out the culture from the type of interview they're giving and you get the feeling from the person. Like sometimes you're on the phone with someone and you're like, yikes, Ooh, I, we are not vibing, <laughs> but sometimes oh, that actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. No, during like, yeah, there was, this, yeah, you can just tell, you can just tell the kind of engineer that's on the other line and you're like, mm, okay, well, it was great talking yeah. to you. It's just not going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. We have been talking for a while um, and I don't want to like go too far over, but um, should we talk about nine dots? Speaking of being involved in, in things that make an impact, should we like talk about that for a second of like just things to be involved outside of work? I would be very angry if we didn't. Okay. Well, great. Do you want to talk about it? Well, so Dion and I are both involved in this and we had a... Um, we had a headspace event, like you mentioned, with this program called Nine Dots. And um, we had such a great time that we continued on with it. So I don't know. Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> I can say more I, about it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's, it's a nonprofit that uh, that is basically going into like these like underserved communities and just making sure that like, you know, they have access to um learning how to code like you know any other place right um and again for me that's like my jam so um it's just a great it's a great organization uh, being on the ambassador ambassador board has been interesting this year but fun um i actually earlier this week uh because this week is uh the 9.cs week or mm-hmm. uh yeah 9.cs week so i um on tuesday was that Tuesday? Yeah, it was Tuesday. Um, talked to one, uh, talked to a couple of third and fourth grade classes about my, you know, how I got into, um, how I got into tech. And then I looked at some of their, their projects, which is so awesome. And they always ask like the most intelligent, like, like the most intelligent questions. And it's like, I almost shed a tear at the end. I was like, all right, bye. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I have mine tomorrow. It's so good. It's so, I mean, I can't wait till we're able to go into the classrooms again because it's, it's interesting to see like 
how the kids have to learn, right? Or like, essentially, I was just like a guest speaker, right? But yeah. that's how they're learning is like, they are just staring at a laptop, um, which isn't awesome. But no, like Nine Dots is doing fantastic work. Um, I'm so happy to be able to contribute in any, contribute in any way that I can. I get, apparently I need to network more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, showing, showing kids like, like that people that look like them can do that job, you know? And it's, it's like, it's not, you know, this one homogenous group and like being able to see yourself in someone like, like most of us really didn't when we were growing up, we didn't see ourselves represented in tech. Um, and I think it's so important. And especially during COVID where a lot of these students were at home, maybe didn't even have the access to technology that they normally would. And so these classes weren't happening and, um, so yeah, so we've been really trying to raise money. I'll, I'll put a little plug in our description so you can donate if you want, but, um, yeah, raising money is super important for a nonprofit that is running solely on these donations in a time when, um, you know, working on things like closing the achievement gap and focusing on technical skills are more important than ever, because those are the jobs that survived during the pandemic. And, and those are the jobs that people were able to keep. So giving that, you know, kind of security to this next generation of, of having those skills, being able to get those types of jobs is, is like so important in diversifying the talent landscape, um, you know, more so than it is now. So for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that like, I would have loved to have seen some representation when I was growing up, like maybe I wouldn't have like had this idea of like engineering is not for me. Right. It's yeah. like, I've never seen anybody that looks like me do like engineering. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, as long as nine dot or like, as long as nine dots and like, we stay vigilant with making sure that like, we are bringing people to them that like, you know, reflect the communities that they come from and that they're able to see that and continue that. I think that like, we're gonna have some rock stars on our hand. I just kept calling them rock stars the entire time. Like, they are, are awesome. Rock stars. I know. I want to hire them as like mini interns at Headspace. <laughs> That would be amazing. So inspired by you guys. This is it's just like so uplifting to hear about the work that you're doing. Is CS Week just an opportunity for all the ambassadors to give a presentation to the kids? Like Dion, you said you did yours and Taylor, you have yours tomorrow. Only because we're engineers, but not everyone's an engineer. Yeah. Okay, got it. So I I like purposely reached out to two engineers that I were that I was with um, at TGA, which was uh, Kim Marino, who used to actually be a teacher, and um, Kim Marie, um, who is another engineer. She actually works at Slack. So I was just like trying to make sure that like the 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 people that were going to come into the the class to talk to them like looked like them, so they could see themselves. Yeah. Well. We're just both huge inspirations over here and um absolutely pat ourselves on yeah, the back. Yeah, pats on the back all around. Can we, get like half, can we get like a half uh Nobel Prize, like half for Taylor? Half for <laughs> I think I so. Like split yeah. it. No, I think I, you both I deserve your own. What are you talking about? I heard we are in the running, actually. We're we've been nominated. Okay. Obviously, we should be. <laughs> Wasn't like Trump nominated? Like how this podcast is nominated for podcast awards next year. <laughs> Yes, we need to get we need to get a Webby Award or something. Uh, well, please make sure to send that to um, my apartment, please. <laughs> First class mail. Will do. 
Yeah, Trump definitely was up for a Nobel Prize. And yeah. yeah. So if, if Trump is qualified, then we are in <laughs> times qualified to be nominated. Listen, I sometimes speak in complete sentences, and that is why I deserve a Nobel Peace Prize more than Donald Trump. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Same. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Well, Dion, before we let you go, um, tell us really quick, because we love talking about tech and code and stuff, but we also love just hearing about people's lives outside of their computers. So what is one thing that you're uh, excited, passionate about outside of your your virtual Zoom office? I don't know. Like, I don't have a life. Under any- <laughs> How, dare How dare you expose me like this? Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, right now, I mean, I'm just pretty... I just like I had a lot of pretty big changes have have like happen over a short period of time. Got a new apartment, like you know, a uh, new job. Just a bunch of new things have happened all at once. So I'm just kind of like accepting it and like letting yeah. it wash over me. You know? Yeah, yeah. Stop running for a minute and just like let it be like, oh, you did these things, and you need to stop and appreciate them before you go and do yeah. anything else. Take time to enjoy it. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. yeah. That's why I have no life. So it doesn't, doesn't always have to be on to the next. It's overrated. <laughs> I think that that's another thing that I am super big on. Um, sorry. I know that we're about to stop, but I like. Keep it going. Go for it. Roll, uh, the the uh, on to the next one mentality, like the hustler mentality, uh, like no sleep mentality. Rise and grind. Girl boss. <laughs> Like I, and you know what? I was absolutely a part of that mentality and definitely had it, which is why I even got out here to LA, you know, like to even leave Mm -hmm. from like Tallahassee, Florida to Atlanta to like, you know, the Bay to LA, like that's what I was doing. But the reality of the situation is, is that like, I got to a point where I was just tired, you know, you just, you, you burn yourself out. And I think that there's, if there's going to be a, like, all of this talk for like, you have to hustle, hustle, hustle. There also needs to be like that talk of like, you need to rest, rest, rest. Like if you did like so-and-so for like two weeks straight and that's all you like, that's all you focused on. then you need to at least take a week, like half that time. Just be like, all right, I'm going to do, and I'm not even going to touch that one thing. I am going to walk around the park every day. I don't know, whatever it is for you, do some headspace, do some headspace kids. Um, but yeah, I just actively oppose the idea that you have to like hustle and rise and grind and all that other crap. So do we. <laughs> so true. Okay. Well, Dion, well, I think well. that's a I think that's a great place to leave it. We got right. some meaty, into some meaty topics. I'm sorry. No, nope. what the <laughs> heck? No, don't. Yeah. We don't apologize on this podcast. <laughs> Well, Dion, you're the best. I'm so glad we got to catch up with you and keep, uh, you know, fighting to balance the scales in our legal system. That is awesome. I love that. So excited about it. So cool. That's the Libra in you. That's the Libra in you and the, whatever that means. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the Leo in me All right. says bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Dion. Thank you. Bye. You're welcome.
Yeah, yeah sorry. sorry. We stay on to record the intro. Okay. I was I'm sorry. I, if we keep this in, everyone, Dion just mimed, can I leave? <laughs> and yes, you can. In fact, okay. please. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm out officially. Okay, bye. Peace and blessings. Bye.